0: Ever wanted to know about terrorism from the world's greatest terrorism expert no that's not me but my guest dr. Harvey Kushner welcome to the terrorist therapist show I'm dr. Carroll a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror well welcome to the show dr. Kushner um,
1: it's my pleasure Uh, Carol what did you say it's my pleasure to be on with you
0: well good I'm 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 really looking forward to you we could you know my just my mention of all your credentials could take the whole hour so I will try to mention highlights and if you you know if I leave something out that you particularly want to mention go right ahead well, first of all, Dr. Kushner is the director of Homeland Security and Terrorism, uh, the director at the Homeland Security and Terrorism Institute at Long Island University. He is a best-selling author of several books about terrorism. He's advised elected officials, military personnel and foreign governments, as well as trained federal agents, agencies from the Department of Homeland Security to the FBI. He gives speeches across America, across the world, including the FBI in Quantico, um, the army, the military, various government forces. He is the one who predicted 9-11 before it happened. But nobody listened. (laughs) Nobody took at least not enough to do what they should have done to prevent it from happening. Um, Since 9-11, he's written books before 9-11, including... including The Future of Terrorism, which is kind of ironic, Harvey, The Future of Terrorism in 1997, The Future of Terrorism, Violence in the New Millennium, Terrorism in America in 1998, he was on Oprah for that, predicting, um, again, predicting the 9-11 attack. um, And after 9-11, he wrote The Holy War on the Home Front, The Secret Islamic Terror Network in the United States, and the seminal classic, still classic work on terrorism is the Encyclopedia of Terrorism from A to Z, and it literally is from A to Z. There's a, there's a uh, sort of a table of contents or a glossary in, in it where you can look up anything related to terrorism from A to Z. So, uh oh, oh, I don't wanna forget perhaps the most important credential. <laughs> He was featured in Penthouse as as it was on on the cover. Top Terror Guru, Freelance Fanatics, Now Our Greatest Danger. Now, this was in a 2002 issue of Penthouse. And um, so basically, you know, what all this shows is that you were far before your time in all of this. And before we, you know, which which I was saying before we started the podcast that I obviously haven't been doing, uh, working on terrorism as long as my guest, nor have I accomplished any a, a percentage as much, but, um, but it, it, it has been incredibly frustrating to me for the years that I have been working on it, uh, how people are still in such denial. And I, you know, looking at all of this, it just... It just boggles my mind how how you must feel about it. You know, I may be wrong, but if I had been if I had started before nine eleven and done all of this, I think I'd be pulling my hair out by now. So why don't we? We'll get to that. Why don't we step back a bit and start with um, how what made you since nine eleven hadn't happened and even nineteen ninety three hadn't happened. the the attack on the World Trade Center of 1993. Um, What did get you into this dark (laughs) topic?
1: Well, you know, maybe today's discussion, Carol, you'll bring out, you'll analyze why I did. But uh, let me go back and give you sort of the chronology. Uh, I I grew up in a household where um, uh, the military, my father was in World War II. my grandfather in World War I and my family goes back to probably the Civil War, Civil War time. And, and so that was always a discussion at the family table. And my father always was uh, very interested in, in world politics and particularly uh, why men sort of rebel. Uh, why, why do nations rebel? or uh, Why do we have extreme violence, not on the individual level, you know, person to person, but uh, more, you know, nation state. So, you know, at the dinner table, growing up in a period of time in the 50s, uh, obviously, you know, uh, family life was different. We didn't have as much television. We didn't read as much, wouldn't have that type of material available. And and so there was all of these uh, stories that went back and forth. So from a very early age, I I was always, you know, uh, led into um, understanding um, uh, the body politic and, and how things operate on, uh, national levels and international levels so that got me interested uh, you know I, I won't go into my uh, spent childhood as trying to emulate the James Dean but uh, that, that aside uh, I, you know I, I sort of uh, what's the best way to put it I uh, traveled uh, the world looking you know to find myself and eventually decided to um, go back to school and um, take uh, a learning profession And um, majored in uh, political science at the university and um, pre-med, sort of chemistry, uh, thinking I would either go on to um, uh, do um, something in law or something in medicine or something possibly in um, political science. And uh, therein lies the beginning. So um, immediately I got interested in that, and I went to uh, for a PhD program and. at New York University, and uh, I studied um, in the 60s um, counterinsurgency, military strategy, uh, guerrilla warfare. We, you know, we didn't use the term back then, terrorism, Carol, it, was, it really wasn't on the vernacular. The, the only way you used it was if you thought of the reign of terror during the French Revolution in Robespierre. But it was, you know, um, guerrilla warfare, it was certainly um, counterinsurgency, um, and, and military strategy. So my my training was really in, in, in that area in, in the 60s, you know, starting in the early 60s. And I got very involved in, in, you know, area studies, looking at particularly the Middle East and uh, also um, the Soviet Union at the time, because they were uh, uh, number one enemy. And, and, and so uh, that's, I, I got a good strong foundation academically in uh, all of the literature, and all of the um, strategy and tactics, uh, whether from a military standpoint or whether from a political, religious. And so I had a really good background. And then um, once graduating and getting my um, PhD, I decided to uh, select a uh, profession which would allow me to uh, expand my horizon and not be tethered to a uh, desk necessarily uh, you know, for 40 hours a week. Uh, so I got involved um, in university teaching. I was very fortunate from the beginning when I started to land at an administrative post and, uh, um, you know, be a university professor. And at the same time, this is, you know, what than 45 years ago, at the same time, I was able to um, uh, begin a career in working for a variety of government agencies, uh, both as a consultant and as uh, you know, uh, someone employed. Uh, for example, uh, I've consulted, um, you know, both as a paid consultant and as a um, uh, contributor uh, to um, agencies such as the, you know, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, uh, the U.S. Customs, uh, Internal Revenue Service. Uh, you know, almost every agency, three-letter agency you could think of. Over the years. And I've also worked uh, for, um, uh, for example, um, the Eastern District of New York as their intelligence analyst over the years. Uh, and that, especially after 9 11, uh, in which we created a, a squad of individuals who sat on a um, known terrorist who were monitoring the living in the New York metropolitan area. So I, I got that firsthand experience while I was um, you know, doing my university duties. Uh, also working for government agencies and and as well as uh, outside consulting with governments uh, across the the globe. And um, throughout that time, Carol, uh, I also got involved in a lot of uh, cases which were uh, monumental. For example, I worked on the first bombing of the World Trade Center. In 93, I was an expert uh, for two individuals who survived the B-2 level bombing. And we won a... um, multi-million dollar settlement for them because they survived it uh, from the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Okay. I also was an expert during the uh, tri- uh, embassy bombing trial, which was um, the United States uh, versus Osama bin Laden et al, in which I was on the defense team of um, Khalifa and Kamis Muhammad. Uh, I was brought on by the government to put together his case during the penalty tra- uh, trial uh, by the penalty phase of the trial. He was convicted on uh, 175 counts of first degree. And then it went into the penalty phase. And my job was to uh, keep him alive. And uh, no, that, we were very successful oh, uh, oh, with wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, that's
0: interesting. So you were basically ap- appointed by the government to be on the side of the terrorist.
1: Correct. And there's an interesting story with that. Uh, it was a trial, if um, you remember or your audience remembers, <laughs> back, uh, which commenced about the year 2000. It was uh, for the two bombings, the simultaneous bombings of the East African embassies in Kenya and Tanzania. And at that time, uh, a- a- as you should know, uh, when we put these terrorists to, to trial here in a civilian court, as we did, uh, they're entitled to representation. Right. And the government oftentimes spares no uh, expense in hiring you know, what they consider to be the best of the best to give them the fairest representation. So <clears throat> when um, the, a legal team was uh, assembled for um, Caliphan Kamis Muhammad, who was responsible for blowing up our embassy in Dar es Salaam, I was contacted by the two head attorneys asking me if I would be willing uh, to uh, come aboard and uh, put together um, a continuum, so to speak, of how to save his uh, life during the penalty phase, because they were convinced that there was no way that the jury would find him innocent, but um, they wanted to. And the reason why I I, I worked on that case was um, besides it being a a tremendous experience working um, in defense of an Al-Qaeda operative, but um, I believed at that time, you got to remember, Carol, this was before 9-11. Mm-hmm. I believed that uh, we would make a uh Kamis Muhammad, a greater martyr in death if we are dead in life. Mm-hmm. So, I, so at that time, some of us believed that it would be better to still lock him away to someplace out in Supermax, out in Florence, uh, Colorado, for life. Uh, you know, and, and, and don't make him a martyr by making, giving him a public execution. Uh, we could spend the whole time just discussing that case. It's very fascinating how I uh, was able to put together the case to save his life, which we did. And, and it's interesting because uh, the end of the trial, Carol, was um, in August of 2001, almost two weeks prior to oh, wow. the uh, bombing of the World Trade Center. And had, it was interesting. Had we extended beyond the nine eleven date with the jury, we would have probably lost the case because the jury would have probably voted to, to execute him. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, again, it was a different world. And uh, I thought and so did a lot of my uh, colleagues in the government that let's not make the man a martyr. Let's just quietly lock him up forever without a chance of ever getting out like the, uh, the only way he's going to get out is in a box like the blind Sheikh just recently who yeah. expired. Yes. And, 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 you know, that was that, that case. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating story uh, surrounding the circumstances of, uh, of that particular trial. And, and it was very interesting, you know, in terms of being able to work hand in hand with a group of others uh, who um, defended Caliphate. And it was also Um, Five others who stood trial At the same time as well Two of which were capital cases That had um, the the, um, Penalty phase And um, the other uh, three didn't Uh, All were found guilty For life with no chance of parole And uh, two of them also Were um, excused from the death penalty But fascinating case So you know that case I worked on um, I I worked also on the Empire State Building Shooting Wait. Let let me
0: just ask you about that. So, did you have, uh, did you have any, um, like, did you have to wrestle with yourself to, you know, you had already been, been really um, written books and and been really into this very heavily, Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and
0: and of Mm -hmm. course, the fact that you thought that he, that it was better not to make him a martyr, I guess, made Mm -hmm, it, mm made, made it, made you able. To, to, to do what you did to, to defend him, but yes. after 9/11 happened,: did you have any second thoughts? Did you think, "Oh, what did I do? I just spare this guy's life and look what they did? You know? Well,
1: you know, you would think so, but, but you know, uh, uh, not really because it, it, it's such a complicated uh, chain of events surrounding the 9 /11. This was just a piece of it. If you ask me now. Would would I in a similar situation would I work to save his life? No, because you know, sort of the genies out of the, the bottle here. You know, uh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we thought really that it would be better to keep the Al Qaeda uh, way of life um, in a box and not expose it as much to to the world. But um, again, the world the world changed completely. On nine eleven. So So um, the answer to your question is, I, I I I thought of it. Of course, you know, I, I, I think you could understand. It's like the child who puts his tongue against um, the light post in a freezing day in New York, uh, and 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 or he hits the light post and the lights go out. At the same time, there he thinks he's caused the you know the power blackout. Uh, no, uh, I I didn't. Uh, b- but uh, it's a fascinating story, you know. Just to talk uh, about that. that. That's really. I, I mean, I, I hadn't
0: even thought about it from that aspect. So I, I meant just did you sort of uh, think to yourself I shouldn't have let him live? But but you know, yes. So so did you think, in other words, that that somehow you were respond? I mean, I know you knew uh, intellectually that that wasn't the case, but did you kind of? Like- <laughs> Did you
1: think that somehow that that contributed to it? No, I didn't. I, that didn't. But a lot of other things that I did in my life, uh, I, I, I had that feeling, which yeah. maybe I should lay down on the couch now and, you know, yeah. you can could, could analyze me, you know, because I've always felt that there was more I could have done to, to uh, inform the public, uh, to get them aware. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it was, always, it was always difficult to do that. I've come to grips with that over the last 30 years or more, 40 years. Um, In in a sense, the way I I, I look at it is uh, I I can't, I can't deal with that now. So what I've tried to do to, to um, get the angst away from how I felt about that was, you know, uh, in my life have a point and counterpoint, you know, um, uh, look at beauty and look at, and, and look at the horror and, you know, uh, and somehow get my mind off of it. Because, you know, I, I, I understand how the American public and yourself were, were faced with this horror, uh, especially after 9-11. And it continues till this day. And people are always reminded of it when, when there's an attack in Orlando or there's an attack in, in in San Bernardino. Or when they get on an airplane, they're constantly reminded of this. You know, And and, and, and I always... You know, I, I I've I've lived with this for the last you know uh, s- since I I got involved really heavily. I I can tell you the year was 1959. I mean, this is a long time ago. So you know, when you're thinking of being involved what, all these what, years with things, yeah. what happened in
0: 1959? That was the that you can remember it as the starting point.
1: Well, that was you know the end of my high school, and uh, you know, and I had to make the decision of where I wanted to go. Uh, you know, and i uh, as I said, I grew up with always hearing these things at the table and 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 maybe maybe that 's why I was looking to 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 lead that world, that dark world, because you know my first entry into um a career choice was um <laughs> believe it or not, I went to art school huh you know I, I i went completely reversed from what I heard at home uh i I went to actually. Uh, Parsons School of Design, oh, wow. which is a, a, a very famous school. And in fact, my classmates were, were Jean DuPont, uh, the daughter of Francis I. DuPont, the head of the New York Stock Exchange, Vanderbilt, um, huh. uh, Peter Fonda. I mean, you know, I, I, w- I was the only person from the real world with all of these dilettantes, you know, and uh-huh. uh, people who uh, I, always got, I always got hung up paying for everybody because nobody carried money, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. So so I, I thought that, but then I reverted back to, to the real world of getting into what I'm doing now. But, uh, well, me, you know. I, you
0: something. Wait, Be- before that, do you think you were, you mentioned Russia before. Do you think um, you were affected by, you know, how there were these, um, the drills that get under your desk, the Russians are bombing drills? Oh, I, I,
1: I, I clearly remember them. I absolutely do. Not only do I remember them, I mean, I, I think our interview is going to go in a totally different direction, but it is okay. going to be fascinating. But, 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 but I'll, I'll tell you, I certainly do remember that, and I remember it in a very, very different way than you know, I'm going to shock, shock you. Maybe now you're going to get on the couch. Yeah. My family was in the hotel business. Um, in fact, my my uh, my uncle uh, opened up the, the sixth uh, hotel on the Strip in Las Vegas. Huh. Uh, the Royal, the Royal Nevada. And uh, he, you know, this is a whole family thing. And he opened up the Royal Nevada, which was the sixth, And uh, on opening night, on opening night, he decided to close it down to the public. Now you got to remember Vegas back in the sixties and the fifties, you know, were, was, was like motels. They weren't these huge skyscrapers. Right. And so his gift in, in the Royal Nevada was he had a big crown, a big crown, on the hotel, the two story hotel. In fact, when I was in Vegas and I'm there like six times a year, I, I, I go to the boneyard, which is to keep all the neon signs and they still have you know, the, the big crown from the Royal Nevada. But the point I'm making about this, to tie it back to the atomic bomb, he decided, um, again, my family is very prone to military. He decided that on opening night, he would invite the atomic soldiers to, to to, to uh, come to the hotel and he had entertainment. He had Anna Marie Albigetti open uh, for him and Sterling Hayden and Margaret Dumas. Now, do you know who the atomic soldiers were?
0: The atomic soldiers? Well, I'll tell you.
1: The atomic soldiers were, we developed the atomic bomb out in Nevada. And, uh, and these atomic soldiers worked on, on the atomic bomb. And they used to test it out in the desert. And at that time, we didn't know what we did now, but these guys were very close by. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember when they had the testing, you would look out the window and you keep a piece of smoked glass to watch the f- flash, you know? So, so all these atomic soldiers died. They died from heavy radiation exposure. But um, so, so when you say, do I remember getting under the desk and, and the teacher saying, uh, you know, no talking during, during a, an atomic attack, you know, and they pulled the black curtains down. Uh, I, I not only did I remember that, but I remember the testing, and I remember the atomic soldiers who came wow. to my uh, uncle's hotel in uh in Vegas, um, uh, you know, to celebrate uh, what they did for um, uh, America. Wow! And my huh. and my other uncle, my other uncle worked on the Manhattan Project. Huh? He worked on the Manhattan Project. He he was involved in um, the Nzo Beachhead. He, he, he came off the boat on Enzio in Italy. He got shot in the back with shrapnel. He wound up a hospital in North Africa. He wanted to go back in, but they needed, he was an engineer. He was studying engineering at the University of Kentucky. They enlisted him to work on the Manhattan Project. He didn't know what it was about, but he was working on a specific part for the atomic bomb. That was, the, you know, when they put together the bomb, uh, which they dropped on, uh, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So uh, I, I, do, I do remember that. And I'll tell you something else from your standpoint. It was only till about 15, 20 years ago that I was able to wipe that dream away. I would dream at night of a plane coming over and dropping that
0: bomb.
1: Huh. You know, that flash and that. So yes, uh, the answer to your question in a wow. very long-winded way is, that 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 impacted on me too and maybe it impacted on me is the how somebody could get to the point of dropping a bomb on someone else and uh you know um, uh, that's why my interest was why men rebel or violence and my specialization was middle eastern terrorism which i believed at the time would eventually come to a crescendo the way it did to, it is happening today and so you know it was easy to me. I understood it. I, I understood the creation of Islam. I understand I understood the Crusades. I understand uh, you know the history of warfare. Uh, I understand the stopping of the Ottoman Empire at the gates of Vienna on 9/11 in the 1600s. So you know I, I understood all, all of this history and you know and I'm a firm believer, Carol, that if you don't understand history, you can live it again, you know right, and
0: right. Um, So that's really. Um, exciting super interesting that you know all of these things all of these different uh uh things had such a psychological impact it was like so from from these from your early days you were kind of um you wanted to find sort of the solution or the the way to prevent um these things from happening the way or or a way another way to look at it is a way to protect America and your books and your TV appearances and everything else um, is kind of a, you know, when I was asked when I when I started asking you a while back about, aren't you frustrated that people are in such denial? So it's kind of like you were sort of called in a way to um, to wake people up and to try to prevent these things from happening from from all of your exposure to sort of the worst of it or the, the extreme of it of what
1: could happen with well, bombs You could say that, and, and my life has always been uh, being in, you could call it this way, the right place at the right time. I mean, I, I remember back at New York University back in the uh, 60s and the early 70s, uh, talking to people about um, globalization. And uh, you know, a lot of my professors there believe that that was the thing of the future. And, and with the coming of globalization, I, I believed that was going to make the problem worse, exacerbated. You know, so I, and and you and you couldn't stop this. Uh, you couldn't stop the, the world from moving in the direction that it's doing. And you, you couldn't stop this revolution in um in, in cyber technology, and, and that. Uh, and I and I always never looked at I never looked at it. I understood history. But I always was interested, Carol, in moving into the future. And, 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 you know, um, uh, I always uh, worked for the government, and uh, most of my work stopped, though, really, when Obama was elected president, because quite frankly, Obama brought in people that were, God, you know, totally politically correct. And, um, you know, you couldn't identify who the enemy was in any sense. And so it was very difficult for me to operate, nor did the uh, that, that administration want me there anyway. But I worked in Washington, you know, uh, from going from the Reagan all the way through all the, even the Clinton administration, e- even both Bushes, never had a problem with, with the consulting, with advice and all of this stuff. But when he came in, he just changed the whole thing. But, but but you know, uh, I, I do want to say that um, uh, it's interesting because it's, it's changing now completely. There's a complete reversal now. And, and, you know, well, we could talk about that. I mean, what, how the Trump administration will view it. But, but getting, back, getting back to me, um, you know, being in this sort of right place at the right time, I've always, you know, everything that's happened, I, I mean, I've been involved, you know, in, in, in like the Empire State Building shooting. I was involved in that one, uh, in which um, uh, the Helmsley Corporation, removed the metal detectors, um, you know, a couple of, uh, a year or so beyond the 93 bombing. Uh, they took them out of the Empire State Building. And sure enough, the minute they took out the, the metal detectors on the Empire State Building, um, they had a shooting, uh, an actual terrorist shooting, uh, which uh, is uh, gentleman from the Palestinian, uh, 68 years old, came here, was trained, and went to the 86th floor. And uh, he uh, opened fire and killed Mr. Bergmeister and wounded um, a fellow from Matthew Gross, I believe, in New Jersey. So I, I worked on that particular uh, case about uh, there, showing that uh, you know, they were responsible for um, uh, the demise of Mr. Bergmeister and uh, the in- injury of um, uh, the other I- individual. Um, and, 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 so, and so many other incidents I, I was involved, you know. I, I, too lengthy to name. I was involved in the case in Egypt in which um, um, a group of terrorists shot up a hotel there and injured an American uh, dining there. Uh, I was involved in uh, airports here in the country where there was attacks. And, and, and over the years, uh, you know, in seeing what was progressing and um, people not listening. Uh, and, and, you know, thank you for mentioning this that I was there before this happened. But if people read my books, if they if they look at um, terrorism in America, I wrote terrorism in America, and on the cover of terrorism in America, it has the World Trade Center, yes. and it has um, yeah, it has the the, the scope of scope, approximately where the plane went in. Now, um, when I yes, when I, I wrote that, about, I thought
0: I was wondering about that because that was unless you change the cover, that was before nine
1: eleven. So how did that come? Uh, yeah, it was it was well because you know. I, I, I listened to these people, uh, unlike uh, our government did. Um, you know, uh, Ramsey Yosef, uh, when he was trialed in ninety five in open court in New York, talked about the plot that he had called Project Brochinka, which was uh, the hijacking of twelve wide body planes over the Pacific, and and you know, killing thousands of people, and and some of them flying them into um uh, you know buildings. One building in which was the um. Uh, CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. So if one just extrapolates from that, uh, as well as he said in open court that he was that his people were taking flying lessons and they weren't interested necessarily in taking off and landing, but keeping the plane stable. So if one would begin to take a look and connect those dots, you know, uh, you know, it was wasn't a quantum leap to understand that the World Trade Center was finished was hit in '93. And uh, knowing the mentality of the individuals involved in that, the Ramzi Yosef, you know, uh, because when he was captured in Pakistan and brought back to the United States, uh, as he was coming into a landing here, uh, he asked if he could take his blindfold off, and they took his blindfold off, and lo and behold, he was flying right over the World Trade Center. And uh, the agent who, Marshall, um, was taking him back, said to him, look at that, it still stands. He said, well... It wouldn't if we had a little more time. And so, you know, uh, what happened then is, um, you know, and people, sh- nobody mentions this either, that 2001, the mastermind of the 2001 taking down of the trade towers was Sheikh Khalid Muhammad. And and who is Sheikh Khalid Muhammad? Sheikh Khalid Muhammad is Ramsey else's uncle. <laughs> and Sheikh Khalid Muhammad went to school here in the United States in the mid 80s in North Carolina. So, you know, Carol, you know, this isn't rocket science. You know, this isn't, these things don't fall from, uh, you know, uh, the, out, of, out of space. Uh, these plots are hatched by people with connections and um, therein lies, lies the issue. So, you know, get, given that, g- given my understanding of that, and, and given what has happened here in population ships, and, 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 you know, opening up different um, immigration patterns from different parts of the world where people came here with, with carrying all sorts of baggage. You know, it wasn't a quantum leap to extrapolate that and understand that we're going to have an issue here. Look, Carol, uh, in Holy War, you know, I, I trained agencies uh, in the mid-90s and before the 90s telling them exactly what was going to happen. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not a seer. I don't have a crystal ball, but, but but I just watch what happens in other regions of the world and, and, and understand the mentality of who our enemy is, being able to identify it, not, you know, uh, politically correct where I couldn't call uh, Nazi Germany or uh, um, fascist Italy and imperial Japan, but all that stopped, you know, in modern times, you can't say radical Islam. Um, and, and, and so, you know, to me, it's, it, it's as obvious as the, Back of my hand, you know, uh, uh, what, what we face, uh, the issues. And over the years, and it, it, it's always been uh, difficult to get that point across to, um, you know, to uh, agencies. And, and quite frankly, in all, and I must have over the years trained uh, tens of thousands of, of law enforcement agents, both state, local, federal, both here and abroad. And you know what? Oftentimes, it's not them. It's not the, the lo- lower level, the mid-level. The problems always exist, Carol, at the top. At the top of the ticket. Because they are dealing with all sorts of other issues, not protecting the, the general public. And they're worried about being reelected. They're worried about you know, certain relations with other people. Um, I, 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 gi- I give you an interesting story. you know, One of the other, uh, being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I had, a, I had a, a colleague of mine, retired from the NYPD. And um, he called me up one day and he said, listen, I'm working on an interesting case. Would you like to be involved? So I said, yeah, well, spell it out for me. So he did. And, and what it was was these um, seven or eight different bodegas, sort of, uh, all across the United States and in New York, uh, particularly, uh, w- with c- cutting these coupons uh, that you get in the newspapers, and people turn in, you know, when they purchase some coffee or some milk, and then they have an account. They have an account with a uh, with the clearinghouse, who then sends them when they package it and send them. They send them the money, a check. Well, uh, you know, without getting into all the details, you know how it's done and all that. You know, it's not done through the U.S. mails because if you get caught through the U.S. mails, it's a greater punishment. They have a FedEx account, blah blah blah. Well, anyway, uh, myself. And, um, and this other individual, Ben Jacobson, his name was, we found out that all of these were Middle Eastern groups that were doing it. They, they were not selling these products. All they were doing is um, co- copying, um, you know, stealing uh, recycled newspapers, cutting the clip buttons, bundling them, and getting the tens of thousands of dollars a month shipped into their account. Well, what happened, uh, we went, uh, when we put the case together, we went to General Foods and told them exactly what was happening. And General Foos declined to prosecute. Huh. They said it, they didn't want to go because they were all Middle Eastern. They didn't want to, um, you know, uh, uh, start anything with that community. So uh, Ben, uh, well, I mean, it gets better. Ben then went Ben then went to the Southern District of New York, and uh, they said the case wasn't sexy enough. Huh. So the So the only group who published it was the uh, New York Post and the whole thing. But what was interesting about that is that had they been prosecuted, one of the individuals was involved in the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. Who was he? His name was Mahmoud Abulima. He was the redheaded Egyptian shofar of Sheikh Rahman. So it's interesting. Had, had, had he been prosecuted years before uh, it probably wouldn't have been around to, uh, to be involved in uh, the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center. So, you know, Carol, uh, you know, the question is uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of good people at the lower levels in intelligence gathering and law enforcement who do their job, but oftentimes it becomes very difficult when you move up the chain of command to uh, really, um, you know, get something done. Well,
0: okay, so let's, um, you know, and that is still a problem and uh, presumably a worse problem today. I mean, I mean, it's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly better today than it was during the eight years of Obama's reign when, you know, it's what terrorism, right? Terrorism doesn't exist.
1: Um, well, he, you uh, know, he, call, he called ISIS the JV team, if you remember, and, and they, the. That you couldn't link together. You couldn't link together jihad. You couldn't call Islamic terrorism. You know. Right. Uh, you know he he, he 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 was treating it as some college professors do, in which you know you try to make it more abstract. You don't want to. And, and I understand that. I mean, you know, uh, quite frankly, you do run the risk, and it is it can be insulting to people of the Islamic faith when you say Islamic terrorism. You know, because that's used more frequently then you use uh, uh, um, uh, Christian terrorism or Jewish terrorism. You never hear that. So, you know, uh, th- that's understandable. But, you know, uh, again, when, when you put it in that frame, and then, you know, maybe, maybe I think the question you want to ask me is now, but, but therein lies a the danger, too. And I'll tell you why, Carol, because what happens, you, you then do extremes, and that, that's what I seeing in society. Like, if you look at the new Trump administration, the Trump administration, ha- you know, has no issue. The president himself has no issue with saying Islamic terrorism, radical Islamic terrorism. Well, you know, I understand that, but yet there are people on the other side that want to refrain from using it. I think the solution is somewhere in the middle. It's not excluding the name, and it, and it's not using the name, because quite frankly, you know. Uh, There has to be a, the solution is not going to be military solution. It's not going to be a law enforcement solution. It's going to have to come from some other area. I I think you know that. Uh, You know, when you have 1.7 billion Muslims in the world, there's no way we're going to be able to deal with it by treating it as a problem specifically to the religion. Don't don't you agree? Well...
0: I mean, you know, I, the point is that um, that it is these radicals who are using the religion. It's not really the religion of Islam itself necessarily that we're saying is making all these people become terrorists, but it's the terrorists who are using parts of the Quran to will incite other people. But um, I agree. But I. You know, so I think as long as everybody sort of has an understanding that when we say radical Islamic terrorism, that that's what we mean. It's radical Islamic terrorism. It's, you, you know, that's I, like... I, 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 I,
1: hope, I hope so. I hope that's the case. I, I really do. I mean, it is kind uh, but of... But then again...
0: It, well, I was going to say, it is kind well, of a problem with when... Um, you know, in the government at this particular moment where some of the people are saying, I can't imagine that Trump is going to stop using those terms since he's been saying it that way forever, but um, but with Mattis trying to tell him not to do that. I mean, I, you know, in a way, it doesn't really, I don't think we should get bogged down in what it's called. I think people just need to sort of wake up and see, this is, well, this is where I was going. That, that I think we're going to die by political
1: correctness, and that's the no, big I no. I agree. No, you have no argument for me. None. My, my, what what I'm saying is, uh, we tend to operate now with extremes. That's what I mean. Let, let me rephrase what I mean. The last eight years were horrible because the last eight years we had a president who refused to recognize the issue. Really refused to recognize it and treat it, and and, and by, by by doing so, by doing so, the ones he, he created a, a reaction to him to some extent that was quite extreme. I think the beauty of our society, the beauty of this country, was that we somehow walked down the middle, whether we had a large middle class economically or the way we thought. I, I think what we did is we sort of. Moved it to the middle. I mean, you know, even the way religion was interpreted by our founding fathers, I don't think was an extreme view. They believed in God. They were deists, but but they weren't fanatical about their beliefs. And I think that therein lies the beauty. And I and I think what we've had now is we have a polemic where we have you know opposite sides. Um, And and when you have such extremes, you, you you can't you can't find a pathway. Uh, down the middle, uh, down the center. And I think that therein lies that. Look, I'm not going to deny to you that Islam right now is not the stage of Christianity. I mean, Christianity had some horrific times in its past, you know, for example, um, the Inquisition, you know, and the Crusades, both sides. But there was a reformation in Christianity, a reformation in the Western world. I don't think that has taken place yet in Islam. I, I think that's what's happening. That's going to take some time. So what I'm saying is I, I, I want to call it what it is. I, 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 I do believe it's correct to call it radical Islam or, or militant Islam. Absolutely. But, but uh, I'm, I'm saying that eventually we're going to have to come to a conclusion, a uh, solution, through, through some other means which is going to bypass the religious aspect of it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. I mean, we're, yes. we're not gonna conv- they're not going to convert the West, and we're not going to convert them. So there has to be some way uh, to get along. And, and, and you know what? There, there is, the answer to that might lie in different cultures, which when you think about it, Carol, we have problems with certain countries like Pakistan. Okay? We don't have the same type of trouble with the world's largest Islamic population, Indonesia. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, we, we, need, we need to exploit all of those types of things. But yes. no, I, I agree with you. We have to call a spade a spade. And, and as I said, um, during World War II, we weren't at war with, um, with Blitzkrieg. We weren't a war with kamikazes. We were at war with specific enemies, which was fascist Italy, um, Imperial Japan, and Nazi Germany. And now we're not at war with terrorism. We're at war with militant Islam. Absolutely, I I don't deny that for for one minute. Uh, In fact, uh, you know everything points in that direction. You know, and whether or not you want to say the blame is us, you know, because of our foreign policy, which is sort of like blaming the victim, you know, and that, which I don't agree with, you know. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, we 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 got to figure out how how to get around this, And, and what concerns me in studying terrorism. You know, but particularly Middle Eastern terrorism, because quite frankly, I, I wasn't a fan of the Irish Republican Army, Carol, or Shining mm-hmm. Path, or Ba'ath Separatists. But, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't view bare Separatists as a threat uh, to, to, to people living in Brooklyn, or, or did <laughs> I think the IRA was a threat to the people living in Boston, you know? But, but, but I always knew militant Islam was a threat uh, to us here in, uh, in the United States and uh, the Western world. Um, <laughs> So,
0: so where do you see, um, because we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, where do you see, um, I know you're not, you said you weren't a seer and all that, but where do you see uh, things going from here? I mean, you know, you predicted 9-11. What, what do you think is going to be happening in the next 10 years even?
1: Well, I, I you know what I think? I... I, I, I I hate to say this, I don't want to give anybody ideas, but, you know, I talked about freelancers and lone wolves back in, 90s, yeah. in the 90s, in the early 90s. But um, quite frankly, I think there's going to be another horrific type of event. And I think the reaction by the American public is going to make the USA Patriot Act look like a um, a, a liberal document.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, because
1: okay. Because I'm I, I'm very disturbed about the way we re, we are acting. You would be better able to tell me because, because of your training. You know, we tend to put things off. We don't have any long history. You know, the nine after 9/11, we passed the USA Patriot Act, and we put it in a sunsetting clause, which means that after a certain period of time, the sun sets on it and it has to be reissued again. We're 15 years plus after 9/11 why haven't we come to any kind of a conclusion about the uh, you know the usa patriot act and why have not we put we we don't we wait till the shoe drops we're never proactive we we react to these things and and, and so what 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 concerns me is yes you're you're right that people have uh, forgotten and you know and turned away because they want to get on with their lives i'm concerned though that the next time it happens and it might be in a i don't want to say where it could be it could be in a very horrific situation, uh, a school, a house of worship, a hospital, some horrific 9-11 type of Hiroshima type of act. Uh, I I think the American public, again, will react in a very extreme way because I think we need our leaders, uh, and uh, hopefully the Trump administration will do that, to call attention to the problem and deal with the problem, even though it's not in the front pages of the newspapers this week because mark my words, there will be another attack. That the enemy, if you, if you think of all of the pressure points in the world where we've been involved, and we should do another show on why we should have never gotten involved in the Middle East, and uh, put our finger in that hornet's nest. Uh, if you think of all the people that, we, uh, we, you know, <laughs> that have ticked off at us, uh, there's a lot of jihadis out there. Um, you know, when you think you know they're saying now they're touting that we're, we're beating ISIS, we're taking away land. That might be true, but I'm still very disturbed about the, the tens of thousands of individuals who will go to fight on the side of ISIS and step up to the plate in their name. I mean, you take for example a country that you know if you're familiar with, Belgium. How many fighters they had that went there to recruit to fight, or well, London, and, and here in the United States, and and you know. Therein lies a, a, a major problem, and then you you, you put that all together with um, modern communication, social media, and news being instantaneously um, out there. Uh, we we have we have a problem. We have a ma- major major problem, and uh, quite frankly, I, I, I'm at a loss for a an immediate solution uh, to to dealing not only with ISIS but also from all of these other individuals worldwide that are stimulated to do, um, to do people harm, whether it's here in this country, whether it's in Pakistan, or whether it's in Iraq, or whether it's in uh, Mali, in Africa. Um, yes. you, know, um, you just well, can't keep it behind a closed door.
0: Well, we've become, in, in the eight years of Obama, we have become so much more vulnerable to terrorism. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in so many cases, whether it's it's people who are, wherever they live, it's people who are disillusioned with, um, well, like in America, with the American dream, that they're not going to get the American dream, and they feel cheated, and... Um, and, and they want attention and want to do something, want, want to leave a legacy. And if they're not going to be able to leave a legacy of something positive and really important that everybody appreciates them for, knows them for, then, um, you know, so, I mean, so many people feel like they have nothing to live for that, that they'll, they'll even die, you know, even though they'll be a suicide bomber or they'll know that it's likely if they do such Well, such well right, right. Well, you're absolutely
1: right. Look, that's the problem. But what concerns me more than that, there'll always be people like that, is that horrific acts of terror and the thought process is filtering into people who are not, you would think would be criminally insane or or have some other type of uh, issue. Uh, You know, just by a mere fact of not dealing with it um, exacerbates the problem. Yes. You know when it, you know so how, how, do you, how do you deal with with all of those people who, who, who need to be because quite frankly I'm finding it very disturbing, and this is not terrorism, but if you look at these town hall meetings, Carol, you know, if you look at the town hall meetings, you look at political rallies, whether it's to the left or whether it's to the right, and, and you look at the animation, you look at people's faces, you yeah. look at what they say their, their verbiage this is it's very problematic i think you yes. know this is to me is not a you know a, a civilized uh, I, I don't want to say it but but you know i i don't mean to you know uh, to, to denigrate anybody on the left or the right or but but th- this this behavior is just you know it's yes. it's that structured. It, it, it's it, it, it seems violent in, in, some, in yes. some aspects. Don't you think? Like, I mean, you it's know,
0: it's like we've become as primitive as the terrorists. You know, it's some of these yeah, right. rallies. Um, I know it's like it's the the steam is being built up all over the world. Of course, I relate that and have for years to all the violent media that has been spewing out.
1: Right, right, right,
0: and causing everybody to right. become more aggressive, whether they attach it to a religion or
1: to a political belief or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, you know, this opens up all sorts of things when I, when I try to analyze it is, you know, if if you look at today, when I grew up, I had some toy soldiers and they were usually in three or four different positions and I, you know, I have to move them around my hands. Today with the animation and the reality and, and you know... How much violence did I see as a kid? Yes, I lived through the time they were to drop the atomic bomb and that. But through newspapers, today, kids, when the, by the time they reach their you know, puberty, have been exposed to yes. tens of thousands of violent incidents. Yes. Uh, am I right? I mean, this yes. is... Inter- I lo- look, I look, at my, I look at my grandkids, and my grandkids sit, you know, from six-year-old to, 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 to the 16-year-old, uh, the f- five of them, they sit there, and, and, and all of my electronic equipment, and, yes. and, and and the six-year-old has the skills to operate things that I would have never been able to. Cry out loud, I I I, had, I didn't know how to dip my pen in an inkwell, you know. <laughs> and, and, and she's yes. able to do all of this. And so when you think of, of the exposure that they have, and, and then look, I'm getting off, and but talking to you is wonderful. You know, when I was growing up, the the the, the, the pornographic literature was Lady Chadley's Lover. And mm-hmm. Fannie Hill or Tropic of Cancer. Needn't I say more about what's available to people yes. today? Yes, so, yes, you know, yes. so if you do that, if you think about that, and you think about all the possibilities and the learning experiences in, in the other part regions of the world, my God, I mean, uh, where, where is this going to end, Carol? You know, yes. where is it going to yes. end?
0: Well, I am sure you will tell us in your next book, which um, we, we actually <laughs> are come to the end right now. But um, is there a book in the works that you would like to tell us about, or in your mind at
1: least? Yeah, I'm th- I, I do. I have a couple, you know, but it just you just got to be able to um, put pen to paper. It's as you know, with your book that's coming out, which I think is is unbelievable, and I think it's totally necessary because I, you know I wrote a, an editorial for the a New York paper here back in 1980 uh, something saying what your children should know about terrorism. Uh, and uh, everybody looked at me like I'm a nut job. But I, I think what you're doing is you know, very important because I think when you don't discuss it and it's discussed in back rooms and all of this, it, it, it's dangerous. So I'm uh, um, looking forward to it uh, coming out and uh, getting a copy, okay Carol?
0: <laughs> you're on the top of the list. Well, I'd like to thank you so much. Yes, we could obviously talk for hours and hours and you'll have to come back. Well, you don't have to, but I would like to invite you to come back. I would love Uh, to, yeah. And thank you so much. Um, As I I said at the beginning, everything you ever wanted to know about terrorism from the world's greatest terrorism expert, and I'm sure um, people are recognizing that it is you. So, thank you, Dr. Harvey Kushner. And thank you all for listening listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. And I'm your terrorist therapist, Dr. Carol.